Well, by now, hopefully our, our Christmas preaching series has been clear. And maybe if you're a guest that's just joining us or you're joining us for the first time online, we've been preaching through this series called Christmas Uncluttered. And what we mean by that is simply this is usually a very busy, a very hectic time of year. And so we're trying to unclutter a little bit. We're trying to be intentional. We don't want the simple beauty of Christ to miss us this time of year. We want to actually take it in and make room in our hearts for Christ. That's what we're trying to do through this preaching series. So how do we know if we're being successful at this? How do we know if we're uncluttering? How do we know if we're making room in our hearts for Jesus? How do we know that? The answer is found right here. On the lips of these angels and these shepherds is joyful praise. You see it so clearly. You feel it when you read the text. You have great news, joyful, good news of great joy. You've got angels singing and praising God. You've got shepherds running to see this child. They're leaving, praising God. You can feel it. Simple beauty results in joyful praise. Simple beauty results in joyful praise. And so one of the ways that we know that Christmas is having its intended effect on us is that on our lips, right? In our hearts, as we consider the simple beauty of Christ born to us at Christmas, we respond with joyful praise. That's how we know that Christmas is having its intended effect. Now, before I go any further, I don't want to lose some of you because I know that some, maybe some that are listening now or some that will listen, life right now is not exactly joyful for you. And I know that when you're not feeling joyful or when circumstances around you are not very happy, listening to somebody tell you, get happy, be joyful, it's Christmas, that's not helpful. Is it? I love Christmas. I really do. I love this time of year. But I also try to remind myself, we as a church should remind ourselves that Christmas for everybody is not always wonderful. Christmas for some highlights loneliness, right? Everybody else seems to have somebody special to celebrate with. But it appears as if you don't. Christmas highlights this. Christmas for some means facing the the difficulties, the real relational difficulties of close family members or friends. Like everyone else's family seems to love being together. And they have this great Christmas dinner. We picture it in our mind like this idyllic setting. But my family is a mess. And if I'm honest, I can't wait for this whole thing to just be completely over. For some, Christmas means incredible financial stress. You've got all these expectations, all these imaginations. You want to, you feel personally responsible for making Christmas all that it's supposed to be. But you don't, what do expectations, what do expectations need? They need money. And you don't have a lot of it. 
And so there's this financial stress that just weighs on you. And for some, Christmas magnifies the fact that the person that you love, somebody that was dear to you, is no longer there. And you're constantly reminded of that this time of year. Christmas past involved that person. that aren't, They're not there anymore. And so when Andy Williams or Johnny Mathis comes on and says, it's the most wonderful time of the year, you might want to punch him. <laughs> no, Andy, it's not wonderful. Not everything in life is wonderful. So if that describes you in any way, if you can relate to anything I just said, I don't want to lose you before I even start preaching. Because the joy that God wants to evoke in us, the joy that God's word wants to stir up in us today, it's not circumstantial. The joy that God wants to evoke in us comes from the fact that he has entered into our circumstances. That's the simple beauty of Christmas, that God has entered into our very lives. And he's brought with them the announcement that he brings when he enters into our lives is very good news that this morning is supposed to evoke in us real joy, deep joy over all that he has done, over who he is. And so whether you're arriving this morning and you're in delightful circumstances, and praise God if that's you, or you're arriving this morning and you're in distressing circumstances, together, can we just together lean in? Can we lean in and see what does God want us to see here? What does God want to show us here? What's the joy that God wants to evoke in us? It's a simple baby born to simple shepherds, to simple parents. The simple beauty is meant to result in our joyful praise. Let's look at first how this happens with the angels. Simple beauty that results in joyful praise in the angels, and now we're going to do the same thing with the shepherds. First, the angels. So suddenly, right, the last thing these shepherds could have ever imagined or expected, suddenly piercing into the darkness of this cold night on a field that was very similar to the one that my friends and I were in, an angel busts onto the scene, dazzling with God's glory and his radiance. Not something you see as a shepherd every day. Remember last week, Kenny told us that there are always two realities simultaneously existing, right? You have the spiritual reality, things going on in heaven, things going on in the spiritual realm, and you have things in the natural realm, things going on on earth, earthly things. And here, those two realities meet, which is why the first words that come out of this angel's mouth are, don't be afraid, fear not. Now remember, these, these guys, they're not like my college friends and I. These guys are not easily intimidated guys. They're rugged, right? They're, they're shepherds. They're out in a field. They're not sleeping because they're keeping watch over their flocks, meaning if any predator that you and I would probably run away from, these guys are rough and ready to confront. These guys are not easily frightened people. And yet when this angel appears, they're terrified. What brings them relief? What's the relief that eventually comes to them? It's this. It's the announcement. 
I bring you good news. In other words, God has sent me. I've, I've come to announce to you not bad news. I'm not here to destroy you. I'm here with good news that's going to make you really happy. That's what brings the shepherds some relief. Now, can you imagine the joy of this angel? Can you? Think about that. You love when you have good news to share with somebody. You can't wait. How many kids who are in here right now have ever heard of Mr. Beast? Okay. All right, Mr. Beast, for you non-YouTubers, which I put myself in that category. My son, Micah, had to tell me about this guy. Mr. Beast has become famous as a YouTuber with his viral videos. The viral videos that made him famous are of him with wads and wads of cash that he gives away to random people. How do you get that job? Where, what's the process that I need to go to to be the guy who has wads and wads of cash that I... Could you imagine waking up every morning to that? Ugh. Well, another day. Got to go out with wads of cash, really good news that I'm going to share with people that I know is going to make them really happy. Some of us right now, you're giddy because you're thinking about Saturday morning. You finally have the opportunity to tell the stories, right? You won't believe it. All, I have gone through all of this to give this gift for you. All that I had to do to find it, what I had to do to buy it, what I had to do to keep it secret from you. And now, Christmas morning, I finally have the opportunity to share the good news that's going to make you happy. We love this kind of stuff. What must that angel have felt like when, they, when God tapped him for the job? You. I want you to be the one to go tell them this good news. This guy, this angel, must have been pumped. You know, just as an aside, Vicki and I were in a conversation this week with a woman, dear, sweet woman. She was a Hindu lady, and she, she, as we got talking, she found out I was a pastor, and she asked the question, what type of Christian are you? Love that one. That's a loaded question. But you know, okay, so here's the opportunity. I get to talk about Jesus. And probably like you, I start getting a little sweaty, Get a little nervous. I don't want to mess this up. Here's my big opportunity. I'm a pastor, and this happens to me all the time. I don't want to mess this up. We get all in our heads, right? We actually think more about ourselves than the person that we're actually talking to. And somehow in the midst of all that, we Christians, we forget the simple truth. We have really good news. Like the news that we have to share is good news. It's not bad news. And we're all in our heads about it. It's good news, friends, that we have to share. And what is it? It's right here. Verse 11. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, Jesus. He's the good news. Now, let's remember who's making the announcement. This is an angel. He knows who this child is. 
He was there when this child created the whole world. Listen to what Job, the book of Job says. I think we have it here. If, if not, turn to Job chapter 38. Now, if you know Job, at the end of the book of Job, God is actually addressing and correcting Job. But listen to what God says. God speaking sarcastically to Job. Were you there, Job? You've got all these questions for me, but I have questions for you, Job. Were you there when I laid the foundation of the world, of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know, Job. Or who stretched the line upon it? Meaning, who got the tape measure out? Who measured the world, Job? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? Then God says this. When all these things were happening, when the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. He's talking about the angels here. The angels are shouting and singing for joy as they see Jesus. Jesus is the one that created the world, the Bible tells us. So as they're seeing Jesus create the world with his powerful voice, they're shouting and singing for joy. This is the angel that's making the announcement. God goes on. Who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band. God is talking about speaking forth the ocean waters of the world. When the ocean waters of the world burst into existence and they're thrashing about, what does Jesus do? He swaddles them like a baby with clouds in the ocean deep. This angel is joyfully praising God because as he makes this announcement, he knows that the one who swaddled the oceans of the world is now himself swaddled in a manger. The angels marvel over this. They're astonished that this God would become this baby? But friends, here's the thing. Jesus wasn't born for the angels. Jesus was not born for the angels. Look again at verse 11. For unto you, unto you, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Fourteen Peaks just came out on Netflix. Fourteen Peaks is a film about a group of Nepali alpinists or mountaineers who make it their aim to climb the world's highest mountains, 14 high peaks. And the film does a great job at describing the climbing community and their care. They take each other very seriously. Their safety is extremely important to them especially when they're in the death zone. The, the death zone is 8,000 meters 
where the oxygen levels are so low that human life is just not sustainable. So when something goes wrong in the death zone, you die. That's why it's called the death zone. So after hours and hours of these alpinists climbing and arduously climbing some of these peaks, they come back to one of their base camps and it's discovered that somebody else on another team hasn't returned. He's likely in the death zone. And so immediately, a rescue mission is formed. We've got to find this guy. We've got to know where he is. We've got, he is going to die. And so their personal safety and their security, that's put on the back burner, and they go on a rescue mission for this climber. And when they find him, they get right down on their knees. This guy can barely even move. And they say to him, we're here for you. Friends, Jesus has no rescue mission for angels. Satan and the fallen angels who are with him, there's no rescue mission for angels. When Jesus came into the world, he came unto you. There was a rescue mission that came unto you. When God breaks into the world, when he comes into the world, he says, I've got this good news that's unto you. And so the point is clear, right? If angels can rejoice and prayfully, joyfully praise God because of this baby born in a manger, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we? When God comes into the world, he comes with good news to you. I'm not here to destroy you. I'm here to save you. I'm here to draw you to myself. I'm here because I love you. It's this simple beauty that's supposed to result in our joyful praise. That's the angels. Let's look next at the shepherds. Now, whenever the Christmas story gets read, it probably happens in your house, you probably hear this yourself, usually the same question gets raised. Like, why the shepherds? Why these guys? We know nothing about them. They're never named. We don't hear anything about them the rest of the story. Who are these guys? We do know that shepherds, generally speaking, are not very well respected. One commentator said that the only people lower in society are lepers. So that's where the shepherds rank. But in Luke, Luke seems to be making this intentional contrast. We see this. That's why I started in verse 1. Luke starts with Caesar Augustus. These are the powerful ones, the one that's ruling over all the world, the high and the mighty. That's not who the, the angels appear to. They're sent to the shepherds. They're sent to the, they're, they're sent to the commoners. And so Luke is making this intentional contrast here. And the most stark contrast that he makes is between this powerful king who rules over all the world, and this seemingly powerless baby, Jesus. One is named Augustus, which means holy and revealed. It's a title. It was reserved for the gods. The Caesars took it to themselves. They rule by force. They tax the poor. 
They demanded reverence. Well, Jesus has some titles too. We just saw him. He's a savior, which means rescuer. He's the Christ, which means Messiah or anointed king. He's the Lord, which means God Almighty. So in Caesar, we find a man who says, I will become a God. In Jesus, we find a God who says, I will become a man. Do you see the contrast? And could the shepherds have experienced a greater contrast? At once they're terrified by this angel and the host of heaven who are singing glory to God in the highest, and then they rush to this scene. A poor, humble, uneducated peasant couple, Mary and Joseph. They arrive at a scene that's very familiar to them. It's got animals and it smells. There's a few people there. They don't, they don't happen upon a big party with lots of pomp and circumstances. It's just a small gathering of people. And that the baby that they've come to see is laying in a feeding trough. When God came to earth, could he have chosen a more non-threatening scene? Could he have made himself any more approachable? What God is saying through the shepherds to all of us is that it does not matter who you are. It does not matter where you've come from. I want no one to be intimidated to come to me. I want no one to be shut out. I want all people to draw near to me. The, the simple beauty of Christmas is that Christ came for us all. As a human, he can perfectly relate to us all. As God, he can live perfectly for us all. As a human, Jesus can face the troubles and temptations of us all. As God, he can face them all without sinning. As a human, Jesus can offer himself as a substitute for us all. As God, he can take all our sins upon himself and pay the eternal penalty that we all deserve. As a human, he can die for us all. And as God, he can rise again, winning the victory over death and the curse for us all. You know, sometimes we think God is so out there. He's so unrelatable to me and to my world. And he, I can't relate to him and he can't relate to me. Christmas tells us we should think that no more. I learned this week of something called sympathetic resonance. Sympathetic resonance. You musicians probably know what this is. Sympathetic resonance is this phenomenon that when you have two similarly tuned instruments, by playing a note on one without touching the other, it begins to sound the same note or same pitch. So in other words, if I had two tuning forks up here, perfectly tuned with one another, and I were to strike the one and then muffle it so it stops making noise, the other 
tuning fork without me touching it at all would start playing the same note. Sympathetic resonance. Strike the one, the other responds. Sympathetic resonance. At the incarnation, when Jesus became a human, Jesus says to you, I want to have sympathetic resonance with you. What you feel, I feel. Your joys are my joys. Your sorrows are my sorrows. When life strikes you, I feel it too. Friends, this is the loving, gracious, sympathetic Savior that we have. And if these shepherds, who just barely grasped it, who did not understand all that Jesus came to accomplish for them, if they joyfully praised God, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we? Here we find the beginning of Christianity. This is the start. A humble Savior born to a small group of humble people. Christ humbled himself for us. And in return, he asks us to humble ourselves before him. Maybe you've never done this before. Maybe you've been coming to Brandywine Grace and you're listening online and you haven't ever really come to Jesus. Or maybe you're here and you would just have to admit, you know what, I'm a Christian, but I've, I've just strayed away from Jesus. I wonder this morning, would you humble yourself? Like the shepherds, would you come to Christ not as somebody that's high and mighty, not as somebody who has it all together, not as somebody who needs to perform something so that God would accept you, but you would humble yourself. You'd come to him with sins that need to be forgiven. You'd come to him with areas of your life that need to be restored. You'd come to him with relationships that need mending. You'd come to him humbly, asking for his help. That's what Jesus asks of us. And though I can't promise that this Christmas is going to be the best ever, that the new year is only going to bring bring good things for you, nobody can promise that. Here's what I can promise you on the authority of God's word. If you would humble yourself under God's mighty hand and come to Jesus just in the same humble way the shepherds did, what you will experience is joyful praise. When you see the simple beauty of who Jesus is, that he came for you and wants to relate with you and experience what you experience so you would know his joy and his peace, you will praise him. You will. Let me have the band return. As we close together, I want to make one last observation. Notice Mary here. Mary's just a teenage girl. We heard about this a couple of times over the last couple of weeks. 13, 14 years old. She just gave birth for the very first time. She's 80 miles or so away from home. After that experience, 
next to a man she hardly knows and some other people there. Out of nowhere come complete strangers, these shepherds. When they finally catch their breath, they start talking about angels filling the sky and telling them that this child that she's just given birth to is the Messiah. Can't you just picture Mary sitting there being like, whoa, man. Like, this is intense. I take that to mean this. The contemplative, meditative pondering of Mary is just as beautiful to God as the joyful praise of the angels and the shepherds. At times, joyful praise is glory to God in the highest. Joy to the world, Christ has come, right? But at other times, it's I wonder as I wander out under the stars why Jesus, my Savior, came forth to die. And so I want to make room for both as we close. The band is going to perform an instrumental. And I want, maybe there's something in what I just said, maybe one thing that stood out to you that God showed you or a light bulb kind of went off. Would you joyfully ponder just for a few minutes? That, that's what joyful praise looks like, just pondering sometimes before the Lord. Wow, thank you. Privately express to God what's on your heart. After that, Kate is going to share her testimony. All through this series, we've had different people share what God has done in their lives. And Kate is going to joyfully share, just like the shepherds made known, Kate's going to come and make known to us what God's done in her life. And then we're going to close worshiping together. But as we do, let's do so with this in mind. In the same way that we see these shepherds, these angels, joyfully praising God, if we would lift our eyes just for a moment, above our circumstances, to Jesus, the simple beauty of who he is, the simple beauty of what he's come to do for you, we have reason to offer him our joyful praise. Amen? Amen.